Good morning. We are really glad you're here. Glad if you're connecting with us online. I hope you engage with us and engage God today. It's a good day, isn't it, guys? Good day for two reasons. Number one, it is Father's Day. Isn't that cool? In fact, here at Capital City, we think that's a really good thing. It's a good thing being a guy. It's a good thing being a dad. How radical is that? So number one is it's Father's Day. Number two, it's Bacon Sunday. Isn't that cool? I hope you guys had some on your way in. If not, I hope you get some on the way out. Just don't eat all of it. Some of it needs to go home with me. (laughs) By the way, did you hear about the two guys who were lost in the woods? They were dying of hunger. Suddenly one guy sees this tree and it's absolutely covered with bacon. He says, a bacon tree were saved. They ran over to the tree and gunshots rang out and both of them were killed. Because it was not a bacon tree. It was a ham bush. Now, that was a little bit funny. You've got to admit, just a little bit anyway. Here's the first big idea for this morning. Worse it gets out there, the more bacon you need in here. It's one of God's greatest gifts. In fact, I've got a few bacon memes for you. Are you ready? Be honest. Is that too much lettuce? How about this one? Doctors say that uh, each piece of your bacon that you eat takes nine minutes off of your life. Well, based on that math, I should have died in 1732. <laughs> Actually, after this week, probably 1731. Bacon fact number 18. Bacon is way healthier than crystal meth. <laughs> Why do they keep telling you that bacon's bad for you? Here's another one. Bacon is 73% fat and very salty. Me too, bacon. Me too. (laughs) Bacon, the early years. (laughs) I know that's wrong, isn't it? That's just wrong. The next one is probably wrong too. Are you ready? Women are like bacon. They look good, smell good, taste good, and they slowly kill men. Might as well die happy. How about this one? I've made a major life decision to name my firstborn Crispy. Crispy Bacon. (laughs) How about for you vegans? You ready? Vegan bacon, when life has lost all meaning. And one more. Life happens, bacon helps. Life happens and bacon helps. And right now, we need a boatload of bacon because it's a mess out there, isn't it? It's a mess. Some of you guys need to turn off the news and just eat more bacon. Because if you follow the news, it kind of feels like we're fighting about everything, doesn't it? We are so polarized, so angry over so many different things. Racial tensions have heated up, Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, whiteness reparations, police brutality, defunding the police, 1619 Project, and people are at each other's throats. This pandemic and all of the clashes that it has spawned, quarantines and shutdowns, social distancing, masks, vaccines, vaccine passports, following the science, whatever that means. When do government mandates begin trampling on personal liberties? People are polarized. Then you've got the LG, 
BTQ issues. It's not just same-sex marriage anymore. They're fighting over what to teach our kids in sex education in our schools, how many genders there really are, which pronouns you can use without being offensive, trans in bathrooms, trans in women's sports, trans in the military, and so much anger. You make it past those headlines, you get to the wars over the First and Second Amendments. Censorship versus free speech, those wars are raging all over our college campuses. The role of big tech in censoring, shaping, and controlling the narrative. The role of the news media in censoring, shaping, and controlling the media. So often it's not reporting news anymore, it's about an agenda. Wars about what limits there should be to the freedom of religion. All kinds of wars over gun control. People are angry. They're mad. Then there are the voting wars. Who can vote? How? Is it the role of the states or the role of the feds to make that call? Then there's always the climate wars, and I think they're ready to accelerate. Fights over health care. In fact, our Supreme Court made another ruling on that just last week. Abortion. And it seems like that there are so few in the middle. Seems like the most radical on either side are the ones who get to control the narrative. They're the loudest. Seems like the most radical on either side are the ones who are shouting out the solutions. So we're more polarized maybe than I can ever remember. We're even more polarized, I think, today than we were in the 60s. You multiply that times cities versus rural, boomers versus millennials, too often blacks versus whites, Republicans versus Democrats, with very, very different answers to the problems that vex us. Libertarians versus the progressives, capitalists versus socialists, kind of a new one here in America for a lot of us. Educators have the answer they tell us. Science has the answers they tell us. And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You guys are. You Jesus followers. You are the ones to show the world a different path. Us guys. Do you get that? Do you own that? Well, I want to start off this morning by talking about a time that is very much like ours, about a thousand years before Jesus. I want to talk about the people of Israel during the time of the Judges. There's a phrase in the book of Judges that repeats itself that kind of captures the spirit of that age. It says, in those days, Israel had no king, not even God. So all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Now, different Bibles translated differently. The NIV puts it like this. It says, in those days, everyone did as they saw fit. GNT, Good News Translation, says everyone did whatever they wanted. The message translates it, people did whatever they felt like doing. But believe it or not, the NLT, the New Living Translation, is the one that is closest to the Hebrew. All of the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Whatever seemed right 
in their own eyes. How would that play out in your house? If everybody in your household did whatever was right in their own eyes. In Israel, it was chaos, anarchy, and misery. They all did what seemed right in their own eyes. It's not that they're out there doing wrong. They're not trying to do what they knew was wrong. It's all about what I think is right, what I think is right. So if you'd only listen to me, if you'd only follow me, if you'd only do things my way. But what if my right and your right clash? The book of Judges in the Old Testament describes one of the darkest periods in Israel's history. It lasted for about 450 years, about twice as long as the United States has been a country. And it was a time of tremendous evil, tremendous chaos, oppression and misery. Every once in a while, the Israelites would grow desperate enough that they'd call out to God for help and he'd raise up some hero to rescue them. But as soon as things would settle down, they'd go back to the same old, everybody doing what was right in their own eyes. And it'd get all messy again. In fact, that's how the book of Judges closes. Exactly the same words, word for word. In those days, Israel had no king. Not even God. And all of the people were just doing whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And I suppose some people think, well, that's cool. It's cool. They're not out there doing what's wrong in their eyes. They're trying to do what's right, right? How cool is that? <coughs> Excuse me. Find your truth and live it, right? My truth may be different than yours, but a man needs to be true to his own truth, right? Whatever that means. After all, what makes your truth any better than my truth? Maybe every man, every woman needs to follow their own heart. But as laudable as that sounds on the surface, it led to the tolerance of every depravity. It led to anarchy. And it led to misery. Sound familiar? It should. Which is why Bible, the Bible calls that kind of thinking the essence, the epitome of foolishness. Not too long after the time of the judges, there was a king named Solomon who is reputed to be the wisest man in the world. Most of the Proverbs in our Old Testament were written by this Solomon. And here's what he says. He says, the way of fools, the way of fools seems right to them. Fools go ahead and do what's right in their own eyes. They're still fools. Good News Translation puts it like this. Stupid people always think they're right. But just because you think it's right doesn't make it so, does it? Or this one. Solomon says, do you see a person who's wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for that guy. Because listen, guys, we are not smart enough and we're not good enough to think you've got truth for you and I've got truth for me. We're not good enough and we're not smart enough to think just because it's true for you doesn't mean it's true for me. Or this one. This one's kind of strange. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, Solomon says. GNT puts it like this. It's foolish to follow your own opinions. Huh. Well, whose would you follow? What's the alternative? See, the people on the right think they're right. The people on the left think they're right. The people who are in between think they're right. If you'd only listen to me, right? If you'd only follow me, you'd only agree with me 
and that inevitably leads to divisiveness, judgmentalism, anarchy, polarization, and hate. Now, actually, that kind of thinking would make perfect sense if there was no God. It really would. It would make absolute sense if there was no God. Listen, guys, when you decide to pick your own truth, you're also saying that there is no absolute truth, which means that you have to de-God God. You have to make God less than God, or you have to convince yourself that there is no God, which maybe is why 43% of the millennials today don't believe in God, because if you think you get to choose your own truth, you're going to have to knock God down a few notches as long as you can. Now, what's scarier than all that, way scarier, more absurd, is how many Jesus followers say they believe in God but reject the idea of His absolute truth. Truth that is true for every single one of us, no exceptions. How absurd is it for a Jesus follower to think he can pick and choose which of God's truths that he wants to embrace? He's God. If you believe in God, that's crazy. So think about it. What if there really is a God, guys? What if Jesus really is the Son of God? And what if Jesus was right when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world? If you follow me, Jesus says, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. What if Jesus really was the light that shines in our darkness, a darkness or a light that can never, ever, ever be extinguished by that darkness? And what if, what if our primary job as Jesus followers is to reflect that light to people who are living in darkness, even though they're out there doing what's right in their own eyes? What if our fundamental job is to point people towards the only one who really does get to dictate my truth and your truth? What if you really are the salt of the earth? What if you really are the light of the world? Guys, our world needs some Jesus, doesn't it? And it is our honor and our job to show them an infinitely better way. See, I think those verses and judges describe our world today. I think people out there really are doing whatever seems right in their own eyes. They're not out there trying to be evil. Republicans think they're right. Democrats think they're right. So fiercely do they think they're right that they're pretty convinced that the other side is evil. BLM thinks they're right. Those trying to eradicate whiteness think they're right, as do those who they're trying to cancel. Climate warriors think they're right. Boomers think they're right. We usually are, by the way. Those who think gender is assigned at birth think they're right. Of course we think we're right. Which ramps up the anger and the rhetoric and the divisions among us. You know why? Because we think those issues are the most important things. And we think that a righteous peace can only be won if we win. How crazy is that? I think it's kind of like 
John and Vern and James and Steve, staff guys, you know, and I decide we're going to go play some basketball together. Only before we get started, we decide that everybody's going to get to play by their own rules. How's that going to go? I'm the senior minister, so I should get the ball first every time. And I think all of the others should guard me at a respectful distance. Vern, Vern's the oldest. He's way older than me, guys, way, way older than me. And Vern thinks he should be able to carry the ball whenever and wherever he wants, right? James and John, they're younger and they're faster and stronger. So they think the rules ought to be equal for everybody. That's not fair. Steve, he wants us all to be more harmonious. Good luck with that. What would it be like to play in a game where everybody gets to make their own rules? Just read the news. Bottom line, guys, listen, listen. I don't care what's right in your eyes. I really don't. I don't care what's right in my eyes. I really don't. You know why? Because I think Solomon was right. The way of fools seems right to them. But it's often not. Do you see a person who's wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for them. Because we are not smart enough or good enough to make the rules, are we? It's foolish to follow your own opinions, Solomon says. Then what is the alternative? It's foolish to follow your own opinions if those opinions clash with God. If those opinions cause you to push God away. If your opinions cause you to stop loving on God's people. And our God tells us, love him first with everything we have. Love your neighbor second as yourself. And those are the big two, right? Bottom line, I don't care what you think is right. I don't think that God probably cares either. I'm pretty sure he doesn't care what I think is right. I don't think he's thinking, oh, you think that, Steve? I hadn't thought of that. Listen, guys, if, I, if what I think is right causes me to marginalize God, if what I think is right causes me to stop loving on the people of God, stop it. Stop it. I suppose if I was smart enough and gifted enough to persuade you all to think what I think, like what I like, then maybe we could find some peace. But I'm not. If I was strong enough to force you to think like I think and act like I act, then maybe we could find some peace. But I'm not that strong, and neither are you. But I can point them to the one who is good enough and is smart enough and is strong enough to speak perfect truth with perfect grace. And if we could keep our eyes on him, maybe it would put those things that are tearing us apart back into perspective, right? There is one whose truth is truer than my truth and your truth. There is one by whom all of our truths are going to be judged. There is one who calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And if he was right, 
then following him is more important than any other cause that consumes us. You can have other causes. It's fine. Don't let them hinder your first purpose. Because pointing those around you towards him is infinitely more important than any other cause that you are passionate about. It's about someone bigger than anything else. And our allegiance to him needs to put everything else that we're passionate about back into perspective. Last week we had the first of three half-day spiritual retreats over at Cove Springs Park. A great group of people who gave up their morning just to try to get quiet and listen to God. And it gave me the chance to reread the words of an amazing teacher named Henry Nowen. Nowen says that we live such busy, noisy lives that we miss the whispers of God. I know I struggle with that. I suspect you do too. He says it's clear that we are usually surrounded by so much noise that it's hard to truly hear God when he's speaking to us. So we become deaf. We become deaf, unable to know when God calls and unable to understand what direction he calls us to. And what direction he calls us to is way more important than the direction we want to go, right? Here's the important part. He says, thus our lives have become absurd. We have become crazy. In the word absurd, we find the Latin word surdus, which means deaf. A crazy life is one that doesn't listen to God. Spiritual life requires discipline because we need to learn to listen to God who constantly speaks, but we seldom hear. It's crazy to do life, deaf to God. He says, however, when we learn to listen, our lives become obedient. And the word obedient comes from a Latin word audire, which means listening. Spiritual discipline is necessary to move from an absurd life that is deaf to God to an obedient life, from a life filled with noisy worries to a life in which there's some free inner space where we can listen to our God and follow his guidance. I think what you see outside these walls, our world, is the theater of the absurd. Everybody talking. Everybody doing what's right in their own eyes. Nobody listening. Nobody listening to the one who really does get to dictate what's true for all of us. But it's our job, Jesus followers, to point people to Jesus because you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world when you point people to Jesus. And you do have the most important job in the world. You're the salt of the earth, not the social justice warriors. You are the light of the world, not the scientists. You are the salt of the earth, not the so-called educators. You are the light of the world, not the talking heads. You are the salt of the earth, certainly not the politicians. You are the light of the world, not those who are most passionate about whatever other cause. You can have other passions. That's fine. That's cool. You can work for other passions. That's cool. But if, 
if your other passions, if your lesser passions are causing you to push God away, stop it. If your other passions, if your lesser passions are causing you to quit loving on God's people, stop it. He's first. He puts everything else into perspective. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And our world needs a boatload of salt and light, doesn't it? Why big B? Hmm. When you believe in God, but. It's absurd. It's crazy when you believe in God, but forget that you are the salt of the earth. It's crazy, absurd when you believe in God, but forget that you are the light of the world insofar as you reflect the one who really is the light of the world. How crazy would it be if they looked at us and didn't see him? How much would we have to hate our world if we didn't care about pointing them to him? So how are you going to get it done? What are you going to do? How are you going to be the salt of the earth to those who are in your world? How are you going to be the light of the world to those whose lives yours touches? Well, dads, it's Father's Day, right? Father's Day. Did you know that your most important job on this earth is to be salt and light to your wife and your kids? Your most important job in this world is to show your wife and your kids what following Jesus looks like, to do whatever you can to drag them to heaven with you. By the way, moms, that's your most important job too, isn't it? All of you guys, <coughs> your neighbors, your classmates, your colleagues, your friends, do they know you're a Jesus follower? They probably know whether you're a Republican or Democrat or neither. They probably know what your cause is, whether you're a social justice warrior, a supporter of the Second Amendment or not. They probably know whether you're a supporter of women's rights, passionate about that, or abortion or not. Do they know you're a Jesus follower? Do they know that your love for him dwarfs all of your other passions? Do they know that your passion for whatever cause will not quit cause you to quit on loving those who don't share that passion? Do they know that what you want to do most is to honor him first? Do they know that your first purpose is to drag them to heaven with you? And all of us here at Capital City together, we live in a world that needs a whole lot of salt and light, doesn't it? It needs some salt to stop the decay needs some light so it can see with clarity what really is and what really should be. Salt and light are so powerful, guys. But they're absolutely worthless, stuffed in some box. They need to be able to look at us and see it here in this church family. They need to be able to look at us here and recognize this is a place where there is no Jew or Greek, male or female, slave nor free, but where everybody is one in Christ Jesus. How cool would that be? They need to be able to see here a people who are so different, actually care for each other. A place where what we have in common dwarfs everything that would separate us out there. 
They need to be able to see in here what they wish they could see out there, right? And I know that you might feel inadequate to the task. No kidding. You might not feel worthy to have anybody follow you. No kidding. It's not about being adequate. It's not about being worthy. It's about pointing people towards the one who is, right? The only one who really is truth and grace. That's our job. That's our privilege. Now, I can't see too well because the lights are in my eyes, but if you're moving around the room, you might stop. You might find a seat because we're going to shut the lights off in just a minute and make this place as dark as possible. Because we live in two worlds, guys. We live in a physical world and we live in a spiritual world. And in the physical world, it might be complete light. Without Jesus in the spiritual world, it is flat-out darkness. This is what the world looks like without Jesus. Jesus. 